Welcome back, everybody. Today, we're going to be talking about the runway job and settle in because Lisa Lynn is back and that means it's going to be a long episode and it's going to be awesome because we both get very excited. Not that other hosts don't. But we we just do... The tangents are our thing. So we just do the tangents. We, we embrace the tangents. We're not afraid. So we're talking about The Runway Job, it, which was written by Albert Kim and uh, Power directed. Power to my people. What? Power to my people. Power to your people, yes. So, so Albert Kim. Yes. So Albert Kim wrote this episode. <laughs> and he also wrote, he's written several. He wrote The Stork Job and a bunch of other ones that I didn't look up. Uh, it was directed by Mark Roskin, who also directed the Stork job, uh, the tap out job and three days of the hunter and a lot of other ones that we haven't gotten to yet, but those are the ones that we've seen so far. This was them coming back from the mid season hiatus. So uh, the last episode was in September and this one aired January 13th, 2010. Which makes sense because like the end of the lost air job was them finding out they've been duped. <laughs> Yes, that Terracol is a very good con artist. <laughs> she is an amazing, amazing grifter. Yeah. So it makes sense that that would be like the finale and people would be like, what? Mm-hmm. And now we're coming back. And and the cast is like, what? And kind of like, I think in the commentary, John's like, yeah, the kids are just look, looking at dad like, please fix this. What's dad, happening? what is happening, dad? We don't like this. I Make- don't want a new mommy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And so they they do everything they can in this episode to make us sympathetic towards Tara Cole, to Jerry Ryan's character. Uh, and I, I think mean, they, to good effect. I think they do a good job of it. We love Jerry. Yeah. Like, I really, I liked her from the get-go, I think. I'm trying to remember back to my initial feelings. Yeah. Um, I think I knew that Sophie had to leave for reasons. Um, <laughs> So I was like, okay, this is temporary, hopefully. They didn't kill her off, so she's probably coming back. And, you know. just and I think, like, it was a good, probably, decision just to make her distinct. Like, a distinct breed of grifter. Like, she's just not Sophie 2.0. She's mm-hmm. there. She's yeah. there. She's, yeah, she... own, she's a grifter, but she's oh, her own kind of grifter. She's just, she, she isn't, like, the whole european and like the whole charm and the whole thing with sophie that she's her own breed like she has her own personality and her attack on the on the job and things like that Mm -hmm. and you know we had uh in the two life crew job we saw other versions of the rest of the team but we didn't see another grifter uh, and so kind of marcus star kind of kind of but but he's the nate basically right so he he was you know nate also can grift and he could do that but so we got to see like the dark side of our of our guys and now we're getting we're getting to see a different version of the grifter right but Um, like but sophie did say that he was like marcus was a good grifter too but in that episode he was the nate he he wasn't tapping into his grifter side so exactly i mean yeah he he did (laughs) blade nate for a while but yeah um, but yeah, we're we're just getting to see someone who does Sophie's job, but in a very un-Sophie way. A different approach to it, shall we say. Yes, very much so. So the episode opens with a sweatshop full of workers, and it's obvious that the conditions are, it's like really hot and they're working nonstop. And a young woman passes out from the heat uh, while reaching for a bowl full of supplements. 
and, and her water bottle. Yeah, just like yes. Oh God, do they do they say that it's live herbally? No, they didn't. That was just oh like- my God, but I bet it is. <laughs> That's awful. Also, bit of a continuity, right? If they got that was liberally supplemented, they got liberally taken off the market. But then it was probably bought by some shady on the black market, like the but the triad probably bought it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, are you ready to get into that? You ready for the? We'll talk about the triads. Yeah, we'll get to them. We'll get to them. So we find out that um, these workers are working 15-hour days and they get no meal breaks. So the their bosses, the pans, have been giving them vitamins to keep their energy up. And we see right away wow. that is a straight-up bitch. Yes. Because this woman is passed out and she's just like, I'll take care of this. And she tells everyone else to stop, like, mucking around, like, go back to work. Awful. And it's, yeah. Man. I mean, like, you know, who is not dressed very well, can I just say? It was just... Not at all. No. She does not... No. (laughs) We'll get to the... I I think we... I think throughout the episode, we kind of get the idea that Gloria Pan doesn't really know what good fashion is. She does not know what style is. She she does not have good taste. Uh, Anyone who thinks Pilgrim Chic is a thing does not have good taste. In the commentary, they were like, we found out that Pilgrim Chic is actually a thing because in the fashion world, anything you don't think is possible is possible. Like, yeah, but I bet they looked better than her awful drawings. But we'll get to her drawings in a minute. So <laughs> we find out that the the pans, Gloria and Russell Pan, help their employees come over to the States and they, they make sure everything is legal, but just barely. And uh, then they make them work off the cost of bringing them over. And because they pay them so little, it takes a long time. And it, also because of the language barrier. It's, not it's a thing. It's sad. It's awful. The snakeheads. It's like, it, it, it is what it is. Did you see Harlots on Hulu? I did not. Um, it's, it's like a similar thing. Because I remember when one of the um, girls entered like the... Um, the new madam's house, like, is like, you'll be working. I'm going to give you clothes and board and stuff. So you have to work that off too. So like, she, like, it's like a similar situation. You're just trapped. You're trapped. Yeah. You can't. And, and that poor girl is just like, she's like some 20, she's barely legal. She's like 23, 25. And she's just so scared. And who she has to bring her, she wants to bring her parents over from China. And, and it, she, it it never fails to like impress me how like prescient leverage is talking about illegal immigration and illegal what are we what are we talking about today? Illegal immigration. Yep. Um <laughs> and Nate Nate like kind of he's like, you know, you can tell me like I won't do anything or are you here? Yeah. So we I, I love how he like addresses it like in a really sensitive oh. way. Um, and he makes sure that she knows she can trust him. And then, but then, you know, they're like, no, 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 she's here legally, but like, she's being treated as a slave, basically. Kind of like, it's just weird how sometimes, how like some shows have like crystal balls. Like that episode in the West Wing was seems like, it's not about this. It's about privacy. It's about the next 10 years. It's about the internet. It's about who, your medical records. It's about who's gay and who's not. And I was like, God damn, Aaron Sorkin. <laughs> like, how did you know? 
Because that is like, still the issues we're still talking about right now, like internet privacy and, yeah. and medical records and, and, and you know, and <laughs> social media and like what's fair game and what's not. And like, mm-hmm. yeah, your medical re- privacy, your medical records, like do, you, do your bosses need to know? And it's, yeah. it's scary. <laughs> yeah. And some shows, uh, you know, they age really quickly and you're like, oh, well, this was definitely a victim of its time. And this show has moments where you're like, well, yeah, it was definitely 2009 when they may have said that. Uh, not something you'd say in today's environment. Well, and some of the but... cell phones, like, they probably still have, like, the Blackberries or, like, the most sophisticated <laughs> aluminum like, phones. But, yes. like... They've got the, like, the side flip. Yeah. And typing on the keyboard. Yeah. Yeah. The clients leave after Nate says, um, we, we, don't know, "We don't know if the like immigrant advocacy person found Nate or Nate found them or like that's all." Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I got the feeling that she found them, but maybe that's just because everybody else does. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Unless but- Nate was out there, like, what can I do? Uh, <laughs> He's bored. But then, like, and then Tara's trying to be a team player. So she's I like, love Tara shows up and like takes a sip out of Sophie's drink that the waitress has just brought over. This poor waitress, Sophie's been gone for weeks <laughs> at least, and she's still bringing her regular <laughs> order over. Probably because they insist on it. Probably. No, because he goes, Oh, she's not gonna be here. Oh, oh and then um, right. yeah. Well, the time before I think he did order, and then the page the client was like, Who's who's the other drink for? And he's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, but then, but Tara's trying to be a team player, so she's like, okay, what do we got? Like, what's the plan? What are we doing? You know, yeah. Which just shows how distinct she is from Sophie. Sophie would just try to finesse it more and just try to like ease away in the situation. And Tara's just like, okay, what are we doing? Tara's like, I'm an American. Like, all right. <laughs> and she's much more direct. Yeah, so. cowboy. Yeah. Sophie's like, oh, we don't speak of things like that. Um, <laughs> no, not really. Um, and the rest of the team isn't they're not sure about Tara either and they're Skyping with Sophie and she's sitting the in kids are not happy the, the kids, kids are well the kids are like they're not super unhappy with Tara I don't think like they you know they're like you know sh- she did a really good job but like Nate's Nate they're doesn't just, like her not and happy. he's not going to want to work with her right they're just like dad that's the problem mom what do we do yeah and she's like you just need to trust me and you need to make sure that he goes along with her because i i sent her to you and i think even john admit that was awful green screen they had for gina like like did they really have to hit him with the, with the beret and everything i was like yeah does she does she need the beret that's so on the nose Sophie would never do that sophie would say that is tacky yeah which makes me think sophie's not actually in paris <laughs> Who knows where she actually is? Yeah. Yeah. Is she really in Uzbekistan? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think Clearly, so. Clearly, go to Tashkent in the spring. I don't know. I, mean, I feel like that's the only time I'd want to go. But <laughs> but why was she, why is she sitting outside? <laughs> She'd probably be in a house. You'd see a window she's looking. I don't know. Uh, but, um, you know, she puts them on to the task of getting Nate to like Tara. But like you said, I think you're right. They weren't just, it's not that the kids aren't like, we don't like Tara, we don't want to work with her. And that that's like, okay. 
dad's going to be an ass about this. So what do we do? Like, this isn't going to work because dad's going to be an ass. Yeah. Yeah. And they even say that they respect that the con that she did was beautiful. Like, (laughs) it was like, it was a thing of beauty. And they say that she's really hot. And all of them agree, even though Parker doesn't really completely know what she's talking about. Just reading the cues again because Carter's is giving her this looks like. She's like, warm? Why are we looking at me? (laughs) That's great. But I love the idea. I think, I think. Parker might be like, yeah, she is hot. Oh, wait. Am I not supposed to say something like that? Okay. <laughs> Stating a fact. Like, she's hot. Uh, and, oh, I just had to point out, I have green boots very much like the ones that Parker is wearing in this scene that you see briefly when she sits on, on the couch. Right. Yeah. I'm like, I have those boots. Um, probably not the same ones. I think mine are from, like, Walmart. Uh, so the way they're going to get at the pans to kind of get some justice for the workers is through Gloria Pan, who is a wannabe designer. Uh, they're going with to no taste with no. It's so bad. So they're no going to have to. No wonder she failed the project right audition three times. Oh my gosh! No wonder oh. she like buys their whole con. So they have to convince her she's really good. And she to looks, do this, they like one of the Real Housewives of New Jersey with the animal print and like uh, yes, right. Well, yeah, and her hair. <laughs> I'm like, no. I mean, like, so, I, just, I don't remember if it was Adele or someone else, but like, this is so awful because, like, talk about talking about someone who has class and it's just icky. Yeah. You know, icky. But if you just talk to someone like who came over from the Mayflower, like those type of families, like, less is more. They will buy the $1,000 simple, like, Coco Chanel, like, black, like, mm-hmm. dress and let it speak for itself. They do not tack on the, the 10,000 strand of pearls and, and the snakeskin boots and, the, and all of that. Like, yeah, they let it more. for itself. Yeah. That's old money versus new money. Yeah. And she's like, yeah. Gloria Pan is bougie. <laughs> Gaudy, garish, tacky, and vulgar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the definition of bougie, of the bourgeoisie. Um, yes. So so they're making Tara out to be this fake designer. Who just appeared out of, like, nowhere. Yeah, and- with a name like a Brazilian cocktail, Caprina. And, so, and uh, the hottest designer in the world. And then this is the first <laughs> time she's heard of her. She sees her on a magazine cover that, no offense, is a very poorly taken photo. Like, it's like, it, it does not look like a magazine cover. <laughs> Looks real crappy. Photo shoot like Parker and, and Tara did. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. I just felt like that dress was very dated. And that dress just didn't really like didn't do Jerry any favors. It just didn't I felt like it wasn't a dress that really suited her. I don't feel yeah. like and at first <laughs> I forgot that she was being a designer and I was like, is she supposed to be a model? Because I don't think that works for model, but maybe it works for like, oh, I'm a designer. I because designers wear weird dress shit all the time. Fine, but something about the neckline and it was just kind of like all around like like collar thing. It was just it was not cute. Yeah, I don't like it, necklines it, like that. They make me claustrophobic. I don't like things touching my neck. I mean, I mean, and the girls would just not be happy with that dress <laughs> yeah. anyway. Oh no, 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 not at all. <laughs> So they also put dialogue on the news. And so these two instances of Gloria Pan seeing 
Katrina's name. Does Hardison hack their TV feed so they could get that? How exactly did that work? Yeah. Which means everybody watching that heard it, Somehow I guess. just heard about Caprina randomly. I, I, I'm like, oh, who's this Caprina? I Google her nothing. Um, well, come on. Like, Hardison would do a better. Oh, no, you're right. Hardison. Stop it. Yeah, he designed clothes. He did everything. Because <laughs> he doesn't sleep. Um, and Elliot's going in as her assistant, which <laughs> is great. Because he is so like- into all of this. He went all he he bought in. He went all in. Like and then he got person. made fun of and he felt self-conscious about it. He's like, these are fashiony. <laughs> and guyliner though. Come on. I, I live for guyliner. I love <laughs> guyliner and a dude. Um but Hardison is a gall joke and it's it's just a bridge too far. And now Hardison is definitely in the doghouse. <laughs> and and Tara's like, oh, I would have said Steven Tyler, but Steven Seagal works. I mean, and he's right though. Like, Hardison does rock the scarf pretty hard. He does, he can rock a scarf. The boy and Hardison knows it looks good. Like, he's got some pretty great fashion sense. But I just love like <laughs> Elliot is genuinely like offended. He his feelings were hurt. I know. And then Hardison's like. You know, I appreciate like your your good effort, dude. And but he's totally in the doghouse, and I'm sorry. But not everyone can also like pull off that orange, though. No, oh. like a, a wide silk scarf <laughs> is not easy, and leather pants, and guyland like it just too it many. Was, it was there. It's a, it was a lot of look. It was a lot of look, Steve. It was a lot. Of- <laughs> it was a lot. Got it. It's a the Coco Chanel line, like uh, you know, when you get dressed, like always take one accessory back off. <laughs> Again, less is more. Let it speak for itself. Exactly. <laughs> then we've got Elliot and Tara in a like fabric store warehouse, and this is actually the same warehouse as the sweatshop, which is actually a uh, a school uniform warehouse where they factory where they make school uniforms oh, wow. in, in portland and just like everywhere else they just let them go in and record <laughs> film there they're like yeah sure come on in and and so oh. a lot of the the workers in the background the sweatshop scene are actual employees i, I guess to say dean like his production company must have been thrilled when they landed in portland because portland just gave them everything they need anything oh, they yeah need. they're like Phew. No, and they talk about it, and they're so thankful all the time. They're like, the city of Portland just let us dig a hole in the middle of a city park. The city of Portland let us blow up a car. <laughs> the city of Portland, city of Portland us- looks like it double for any other city around the world. It's amazing. We love Portland. Yeah, I know. We didn't have to go all the way to Vancouver. It's perfect. And like, and at every time, like, we thought we'd have to sweat a lot of LA actors up for the role, but no, Portland has a deep bench. Yeah. Yeah, both of the the women who are the clients, they're local Portland people. Um, So was Gloria Pan, the guy who plays Russell. He's not, he's from LA, but... um, His face is vaguely familiar to me. I know him from Teen Wolf. (laughs) Oh. I love him on Teen Wolf. He's actually Korean. Uh, Here he's playing Chinese, and on Teen Wolf he plays Japanese. But... uh, we can't just be swapped in for every other one, Steve. No, I know. No, I was. I want to hear your uh, your take on that because <laughs> I, I because I'm always like, okay, and but I think the woman who plays Gloria, 
her last name is Shu. Um, and so I think she is Chinese, HSU, uh, but it didn't say anything on her IMDb profile. Yeah. <laughs> so I couldn't be sure. Because um, I do like to check those things. Because I know that like Asian people get all lumped in together. They're like, yes, everyone now is playing like, Japanese. If an Austrian can get offended that you think they're German, I can't yeah. like, someone who's Korean be offended that someone thinks they're Japanese. You know? No, definitely. You know, yeah. like, like, I remember, like, I would be someone, and then, like, my cousin, like, oh, is he British? I was like, don't say that. He's Irish. He will, like, leave you out. <laughs> he will stuff. straight up cut you. <laughs> no, apparently, it's a thing. Like, apparently, like you know, like, yeah. I was like, don't call me Brit. Don't call me English. I'm yeah. Irish. Yeah, if you're, especially That's if you're from, like, like, if you're not from Northern Ireland, like, don't do that. No, 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 yeah. no. Both accents are absolutely delightful, but they are. You know. <laughs> yeah, but very different. Very different. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, obviously, it's some who would just say it's all the same. So, like, if you're telling me Germans and Austrians are different, then damn well, Koreans and Chinese and Japanese and Mongolians and Vietnamese and Thai and all, we're all different. I mean, so, I'd say you're even more different. Like, <laughs> Because like Japan is a whole separate island. <laughs> like China is huge. It's Austria and Germany like share a border. Like and they're very small and they like, mix a lot. Like you can't tell me they weren't. And the French and like for all the bitching they Brit the Brits and the French like do at each other, they mixed the whole time. Like they hated each other for a couple thousand years, but they mixed. So whatever. And everybody's invading everybody all the time. It's like, all mixed, yeah. Yeah. Actually, I I did a twenty three and me once, and I was like ninety eight point seven percent Chinese. So I was like, my people did not get around. <laughs> Mine were right there. Just wow, that's a lot. That's crazy. And then my friend was like, that means colonialism didn't fuck with their people. Oh, that's that's kind of wonderful. Well, she's Indian, so like you know, she's talking about the Brits coming and fucking yeah. everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, like I was like, you know, the like you know the Portuguese were in Taiwan for a while, and I think so with the Dutch for a while. So I was like, maybe there's a little bit there. Now I'm just straight up ninety eight point seven percent Chinese, <laughs> and like less than one percent like native. Your European. family was like, get away from me. <laughs> I don't want anything to do with like you. Or like point zero one percent like Native American or something. Oh, like Cambridge thing. So it's like very interesting. Have you ever done it? Have you done I, that? I haven't. My parents have, uh, and I don't remember. Theirs was like a bunch of stuff. Um, like mostly like Western Europe, basically. Yeah, like a lot of England, like like the Great Britain area. <laughs> um, less. Uh, was it less Scandinavia than we thought? Um, which was interesting. Oh, you have a part Scandi? Yeah, my grandmother uh, was pretty Swedish. <laughs> so oh, I, I've still been looking up uh, Tom Choi, who plays. That's why. So when we get back into it later, I kept writing his name as Choi uh, when I was talking about him in my notes. And I'm like, that's not his name. His name's something else that we'll get to in a minute. And I was like, why am I trying to write Troy? Because his real last name is, is Troy. And he 
born in South Korea, and then he moved to Des Moines when he was there. Oh, grew up in Iowa. Because uh, I was trying to see what show you might know him from. Cornfields um, of Iowa. The cornfields of Iowa. I, yeah, my mom went to school in uh, Iowa, <laughs> and we have family in Des Moines. So I'm like, oh, Des Moines. Let's see. What have you? S- he was on an episode of Private Practice. Oh gosh. <laughs> um, Women's Murder Club. This is going way back to like the early aughts. Yes. Oh, he was on Agent Carter. Oh, okay. He was in two right. episodes. Yeah. He was on an episode of Hawaii Five O. Hawaii Five O. That's probably how I knew him. I used to watch yeah first couple seasons of Hawaii Five O. That's probably okay. how I knew. Him. Yeah. yeah. What well, was last year? So. Probably. Yeah. Seventeen. Yeah. Um, designated Survivor. I saw that. I saw the first season of that. Yeah. Maybe that's you. Um, he's just a good-looking guy. Probably like one of those solid character actors where you're like, oh, he's that guy that you kind of see everywhere. You just don't really know. Exactly. Exactly. I think was nice. Good thing. I. What I like about his character is at the beginning, you think he's like a pushover. Yeah. And then we'll we'll get to a little bit more about him in a minute. He's good looking. He's no Daniel Henney. That's all I'm gonna say. Well, no. No. Um. (laughs) Okay. So. Back to the show. Uh, Tara and Elliot are in this warehouse. And they're in character. Yes, they're in character as Caprina and her assistant. And Tara drops. And, and Tara doing a passable Italian accent. Yeah, she, I like her accent a lot. Yeah. And she like obviously relishes doing it. Uh, <laughs> and she drops her sketchbook and pointedly in front of Gloria. So Gloria gives it back to her. She's like, oh, my life. Oh, my sketchbook. Uh, I do not have a passable Italian accent. I apologize. And and then, you know, she asks to look at Gloria's drawings, which are so bad. They are, they are the, the scribbles of a kindergartner. Uh, Aggressive use of buckles. I just, yes. I think that was the best, like, that was the best thing to come up with. And she had, like, Tara did not know what she was going to see when she looked in this sketchbook. And so she really, like, marshals her, you know, reaction really well. Because I'd be like, oh, my God. This is interesting. Yeah. So she invites her to a run through of her show in the Boston Fashion Week. Then they kind of, like, leave her to her excitement. And then Tara makes a crack at Nate. He says something, you know, when, oh, he's like, we're going to go, let's go steal a fashion show. And she like makes fun of him, not realizing that he he can hear her over the comps. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Come on. You know, she knew that he could hear him. So she takes it off and she's annoyed. And that kind of comes back her not wearing the comp, wearing the comp. Yeah. And then we're backstage at fashion week. And I love that Hardison has a logic filter on his computer to like figure out and the the channels of all the little why? headphones of which one is who is the head assistant <laughs> backstage. But why hmm. was Parker in those dairy dairy meat braids? Like I I thought that was super uh you know from all the shows and stuff that I've seen of people backstage at fashion shows like that's how they dress like they got to get their hair out of the way so it's not going to be in. Util- I mean, is it utilitarian? Yeah, like not just a ponytail, we're just a bun. No, just- because no, because you know, like up, but make it fashion. 
Interesting. I thought it was really cute. I like her. I like, like when my hair was long, I used to do it like that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, 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 I just love that has something super mathy to figure out who is in charge of all the assistants when if Sophie had been there, she would have been like, okay, which assistant is everyone afraid of? Like, which assistant is are people saying the names of all the time? Like, she would have had some uh, really okay, see, humanist way to get at it. This is, inter- like, remember, like, every, at the, at the season, at, um, at the second David job, Nate is like, you're all solving your version of the crime instead of solving the crime. And it, it comes into play in a season three episode, like how each of them views a problem. <laughs> I know so, exactly what episode you're talking about. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. When Sophie's like, look, look you don't just sneak in. If I'm doing my job, the Mark would just turn the alarm off for me. Yeah. Like, so it's just interesting because of their skill sets, how they see and attack a problem. Mm-hmm. And they would just all they would just approach it all differently. The same problem, but approach it differently. Like there are more than one way to skin a cat. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. And Hardison's way is to <laughs> do advanced logarithms, algorithms on and things. Sophie would just read the room and, and find and find who the alpha alpha dog is. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Yeah. Or yeah, through the comms, tell Parker how to do it. Yeah. Um, so you know, instead they do this and uh, figure out who's in charge and Parker slips Caprina into the guest list. And um, actually the, they have like all the little cards for the passes and they're have pretty calligraphy on them that you sort of see. And I couldn't discern which guy it was in the commentary, but either it's either Mark Roskin's mother-in-law or Albert Kim's mother-in-law who it's her handwriting. She did the calligraphy. Oh, wow. And then she's in the, um, the fashion show scene. She's like an extra in the scene. to be an extra. Yeah. They were like, oh my gosh, you totally win as the son-in-law. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I know. Um, like, your, your in-law do all the work of all that calligraphy. Yeah. Yeah. This is, uh, this is your payoff. You get to be on TV. So uh, Gloria gets <laughs> there. And, and Better have gotten paid. She, she did. She got to be on TV. Um, she had her SAG card. Pun, you know, they get the residual checks of like fifty cents every six months. <laughs> hey, I mean, maybe she got paid more when I bought the DVD. Who knows? I uh, so Gloria is played. Check like, probably cost more to produce than it was actually worth. Fifty cents. Yeah, it's fine. Um, so Elliot brings Gloria in and has her kind of in the background so she can overhear some important <laughs> conversations between Tara and Nate, who is playing her investor Jacques Bouvier. And, um, and the way, like, and, and how she was like a kid in a candy store trying to soak it all in. Like, oh my gosh. She tried to usher it in. Right? Yeah. And, and Hardison's playing a fashion magazine editor. And they are, like, respectively, their characters are based off Carl Lagerfeld and um, Andre Leon Talley. <laughs> which, once I realized that, I was like, yes. And I straight up love everything Nate is doing this episode. <laughs> like, I love the tiny little classes with the rose-colored lenses. I love the, like, fan. super the fan. goth. Yeah, the fan, the super goth, like, half gloves with the rings on every finger and the, like, the brooch on the neck neckerchief. Like, leaning into, like, the worst and awful stereotype, every stereotype in the fashion industry. I every. Yeah. Leaning into it. Oh my yeah. God. Whereas Hardison is much more subtle, 
But he, once I knew he was doing um, Andre Leon Talley, um, but Andre like, Leon oh, Talley yeah. is not subtle, baby. He's Andre. not, but um, also like Hardison's half his size. So, but the way that he like said some things, I was like, oh yeah, that's like a more muted Andre Leon Talley. And I liked that a lot because he's only supposed to be like kind of a background character. Like he's not supposed to take, yeah. you know, Jacques is supposed to be the most flamboyant one. And he's so great. I I love the character of Jacques Bouvier. I think like, probably had fun going all out with that, like going over the top with that character. I can imagine that might be fun for an actor just to be all like over yeah. the top, run yeah. with it, have fun and be as outrageous as you want. Mm-hmm. Um, so while while they're standing there and Gloria is overhearing, uh, or no, I guess she comes in and meets them. Jacques gets a text that says that his uh, his designer for the newcomer showcase is in jail because of a hooker in his hotel room, and so he's kind of without someone to show off. And Tara's character is like, "Oh, you should have her. She's wonderful." And he even had said something about that man could do with a buckle. Which was great. Because Gloria's like, oh, I can do things with a buckle. <laughs> That's my thing. That's uh, oh, I can yes. Perfect. Um, yeah. And so they <laughs> coerce her into bringing them back to her office to look like, at most of her I think sketches. Just, like, read her perfectly. Oh yeah. Like, oh my god, the show and all the publicity and and the executives and all the other t- talent. That's the reality gonna show's going to be here filming. And, it's like, it's, and then this is just like tapping into every little, like Gloria yeah. is just check, like, check, ask, check, ask, check. Ask, everything ask, ask. Yeah. Because Paul Hollywood said, ticks all the boxes. Exactly. You know, exactly. You know, like they had her on the hook because they, they're just like feeding her everything she's ever dreamed of and wanted. Like everything. They're just like dangling it like like, you know, right in front of her. You know? Right, right in her lap. And she just laps it all up. So she immediately takes them back to the the factory but, and but and shows them her her illustrate her designs. She's not thinking straight at this point. This is just like Everything, all my dreams are is, is, is right there. They just got her tunnel vision, and it's mm-hmm. like perfect. They reeled her in like textbook, like perfectly. Yeah, she's and she's willing to give them any amount of money they ask for, which becomes a point of contention between Tara and Nate. <laughs> Tara's like two hundred thousand dollars, and Nate's like, "We just need fifty k. That's all we need." I felt like that was just realistic because. At that point, like, with Sophie, they were her oil, oil machine. Like, they spent time together. They knew each other's rhythms. They had, like, it's like, you know, it's like a ballet. They they, they got the choreography down. Like, mm-hmm. they, they know each other's rhythms. Like, they, they can read each other. This is someone new. It, 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 it ruins the dynamics. I mean, it's a new dynamic. It, it takes getting used to. It's you know? the it's the dynamic, but it's also the motivation behind them because uh, you know <laughs> Nate and the team are there primarily to get the money to help out the client, and Tara's hundred percent there because she's going to make a profit. Like she's fulfilling this favor that she owes Sophie, but she also this is her job. She needs to make money, and and this is how she's going to do it. And in the field, when you throw out a number, 
the person who's running the con with you because we're doing improv can't say no. They have to say yes. And (laughs) she knows what, what they're supposed to ask for, but she's like, Oh, but we're here and I'm going to ask for what I want. And, and you really think think she knew it was was only supposed to be 50. I think so. Okay. Or she, I mean, I think so. I think she knew that they weren't going to ask for a ton of money because if you ask for a ton of money right away, they might balk, you know, they might. Especially because like the husband's in the back, like, wait, what? Like, I, what, what's going on? Like, slow your roll. Like, huh? And I love, because still at this point, Russell, Russell Pan is like, what? Who, who are these people? They're going to let you. Are you sure you're ready for that? And she's like, "Shut up, Russell. We're gonna. I'm gonna give him this money." And she just zip, takes it out of the safe, zips like, it up, gives it to them. Gone. She is gone. Like she wants her. Like she wants her dream. Like she, yeah, yeah. And and like and like you said, like Nate's reading the room. He's like, "The husband's not feeling it. If we go too high, like it's just gonna be a non-starter." And and Tara's just like, "Go big or go home." Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But later, if you think if they'd actually gotten that 200000 how much worse things it would have been. <laughs> so they get to 50000 Oh, and while they're talking, Nate kind of looks out the window of the office and he has this moment with, he sees their client and they have this moment, which kind of brings it all back. Like they've been in this high fashion world, but now he's seeing this, you know, it reminds you. This, this is why we're here. Exactly. Not this is who we're doing it for. Yeah. So yeah. her husband's very much not psyched. Um, and then as they're leaving, Nate's not pissed. Not on board. Yeah, he's not on board the fun train. Yeah. And Nate is pissed now, too, that Tara was pressing for more. And and then we get Tara Skyping with Sophie. Uh, you know, and she's like, I can handle everybody else. You know, they've been okay. I like the guys. Parker expressed a, a human emotion. <laughs> Just the one, uh, I, I think. Parker has feelings? Just one. Parker showed feelings. Parker showed feelings. And she's like, my pork is paying off. Parker showed feelings. I know. But you can also see like a little bit of, uh, <laughs> a little bit of jealousy there. Like, oh, I worked really hard for her to have these feelings and now I'm not there and she's showing them to other people. Those bitches better not like you more than they liked me. Yeah. She's kind of getting there. And then, you know, but then she starts complaining about Nate who talks in like cryptic codes and slogans. And, and again, like supposedly in Tashkent with the awful. <laughs> with the camel walking and by. Now, and now Sophie is wearing a head covering, a headscarf um, as a, apparently as apropos for the, for the location for the custom. Yeah. You know, you know. Yeah. So funny, and then fabulous. She's looking fabulous. Oh yeah, that purple is really good look for her. Yeah. Um. And and Tara says, you know, the whole sexy because I'm broken thing only goes so far. And (laughs) and right then, like the rest of the team gets there, and so she's hanging up. And Sophie's like, yeah, wait, what? What do you mean? It's what? You can't. You don't get to call him sexy. What? (laughs) Yeah. So the team comes back, and Tara makes this great joke which makes this episode totally topical for this time of year because she says something about not being able to join in their reindeer games which totally throws parker off kilter and because she's like well how would they how would they do that like how would they keep score and then she goes back later and she's still like well what kind of math would they use of course it was adorable 
So there's our Christmas reference. <laughs> Adorable. Uh, and and Nate says that Gloria called him and her voicemail she left is like super cryptic she wants them to meet somewhere but it cuts off before she says oh, she's where so excited. she's like i got all the money you need is what if you need a million dollars more let me know i will get you the million dollars and she's like yeah whatever it takes whatever yeah it takes. so she's just like meet me at the and it cuts off so they realize the only places that yeah. they could be met are at the factory or at her house so they split up and parker and nate go to the house and just as they get there they see someone drive away and then they see smoke wow. coming out of, of the front door. And but Elliot's getting his Mac on back at the fence. Yes. Elliot's like, no, she'll probably come here. I don't need to leave. Uh, uh, but then he, he know, does go okay, to the factory. Before, was he just kind of like flirting with that receptionist just to distract her from what Parker was doing? Or was he just kind of like flirting for the sake of flirting? I think he was flirting for the sake of flirting because she wasn't questioning Parker at all. I also feel like... That woman, that girl is probably just responding to Christian flirting. Like I like yeah. I feel like Christian could just get away with anything, you know? Even a guideliner. Yeah, no. I think if Christian Kane tried to flirt with me, I'd be like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> I would I would be out for the count. It'd be bad. Like he would just call you darling and you'd just be gone. I don't I think it would be embarrassing. I don't even know what I would do. I don't want to know. Please never flirt with me, Christian King. <laughs> just something about him. He's just like, he just has that charm. Like, just, he has so much charm that he distracted you on. from the fact that Nate and Parker are almost blown up. And I was about to say that. And you were like, <laughs> and Elliot. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, a house literally blows up. And you're like, no, Elliot's getting his Mac on. He was getting his Mac on. Nate and Parker almost died. <laughs> Well, he was getting his Mac on. I, you're not wrong, <laughs> but but yes, but explosion, explosions, like fire. But I think possible I, dead people. I think Nate just saw some smoke or something or something, and he's like, run. <laughs> yeah, they do. They get out of the way fast enough, and they're yeah. kind of thrown a little bit by the force of the explosion, and they're fine. So fine that. Parker goes on to do algebra in just a second. <laughs> and but they see someone drive away, so they either the pans got away safely or uh someone blew up the pans and got away with their car. So they have to figure out a way to see who's in the car. And Hardison has to do some algebra. Parker does it for him. And then so Elliot does stop getting his Mac on to go back to work. <laughs> uh, and he's at the warehouse going through their papers when Tara shows up. And they find out that um, they're doing stuff with some shady companies in Hong Kong. And, or is it, is it Hong Kong or Shanghai? Yeah, Taylor said the company code was like, was from Shanghai. Shanghai, sorry. So she like, she's like yelling into the comm. <laughs> he's like, he can hear you. Uh, which reminds us that Tara does not have a comm at this point. Like she had to give it back to Nate when he said he didn't trust her. Ugh. And they find out uh, that the husband actually planted the bomb in the house. And Nate's like, you do get out of there now. Yeah, get out so of there now. And they are stopped because there are men with cleavers. <laughs> okay, here we go. Here we go. Are you ready? Are you ready to talk about the triads? 
the backbone. It's just about every, like, so almost every Jackie Chan and Bruce Lee movie. It yeah. is part of, okay, like, I'm not going to defend my people. My people are, like, contain multitudes. We do shady shit, too. The Italians have the Cosa Nostra, Cosa Nostra. like, we have our thing, and it, it, it is what it is, okay, people? Like, I, 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 I can't excuse why people do stuff. Like, Rush Hour 2 is basically all about, like, I can't even start dealing with the triads. And I believe there may have been a cleaver situation in there, too, maybe. I think, I mean, like, Albert Kim says that it is it is a traditional weapon of the triad and they have like really beautiful ones with like um, intricate carvings in them. And he said, I also looked at a lot of pictures of victims of these cleavers and <laughs> when look, he was researching. And look, my people use a cleaver for everything. We don't have like, look, we will chop off a chicken's head with that. We will chop off vegetables with that. Like that is our utility knife. Like, okay. It, it is what it is. Okay. You just have not lit until you've seen a grandma go to town with a cleaver and chop off that chicken. <laughs> All right? Like, it, it, it is what it is. But they are dangerous. They are not to be messed with. It is. Okay? <laughs> They're bad dudes. Yes. And that is what comes across in every Jackie Chan movie to me. Like, not going to mess with the triad. Okay. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine like how much damage like you can really hack someone with the cleaver with those cleaver? Like, you can just chop off someone's hands. Yeah, like right away. Just I mean, like, like one the, one hack at a throat. Even if you don't go all the way through, that's gonna hit. But you the steal drug, from the jugular. Like you find out someone, some triad boss finds thanks for finds out you stole money from them. You are gonna lose a hand. They're gonna put it on the table on chop off your hand. Probably. Uh, I like my hands. And don't Hopefully, steal from the triad. I will, I will never <laughs> knock on wood. I will never steal from the triad. But yeah, like they, they can be very beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they can be intricate. Yeah. yeah. And apparently, apparently the triads are our thing with the whole. You know, counterfeit like you know, knockoff like. And yeah, look. that's mind blowing. They make more of their money off of that than they do off narcotics. I'm sure everybody has bought a knockoff at some point. Probably, <clears throat> knowingly or unknowingly. Yeah, probably. I mean, if someone tells you you can just buy this Prada wallet for five dollars, you know something's up. Okay, you gotta know something. Like, that's cool. I don't need a $5 wallet. <laughs> or, yeah. like, and that's actually, it, which is interesting, because if if it's tied into the triads, like, but it's still the forgery of the knockoff, it's actually considered just a white-collar crime. Probably mm. forgery and stuff, right? So that's interesting. So white-collar crime is not always so clean and so white. It can be very violent, people. Yeah. It's not just financial crime. There we go. It's, Yeah. No? <laughs> You could get your hands cut off. I don't want. I don't want that to happen. Don't buy. Don't buy fake knockoffs. I mean, don't I buy knockoffs. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. So back to the show. Um, so Elliot's trying to formulate this plan for the guy who's with the cleavers, and he's like, "All right, stay behind me to Tara." And Tara's like, "Nah." Oh, he's a, 
priority mode. Like this, my job is to keep everyone alive and safe. Like he's like, yeah, and he's like, you know, luckily these are narrow alleys, so they have to come at me one at a time to stay behind me. And she's like, uh, I'm gonna go over here, and which is another so interesting. Well, Ellie, it's like creepers haven't done that in a while. Yes. Uh, I love it. And so, was perhaps as he's had dealings with the triad before. You know, was it's, it, very, it's a yeah. very distinctive cleaver style. Or was it the butcher Kia? Because they, yeah, no, they did use, they did use not, like, I think a cleaver, but that was one-on-one and it's like a confined space, not a yeah. bunch of people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And like you said, like Tara is not listening. And this is where we see very clearly that Tara Cole is a very different breed of grifter to Sophie Devereaux. Yeah. Very different. Yeah. She like unarms one dude super fast. She has his cleaver and she's like ready to go to town. She she t- picks up an iron and whacks him across the head and knocks yeah. him out. Yeah, it's amazing. The cleaver is ready to like bring it. And she's like a distinctive stance as well. Like she's holding one arm and like ready. And I was like, oh, that's really but cool. But Sophie would not. Like I feel like no. Sophie would just play like the damsel and try to cry or something and just like distract them or something. Like she would never actually well actually she did knock out that guy in the B Town bailout job. Yeah. But boy. <laughs> but that's not her usual MO I feel like. That was no. Entirely- <laughs> those were extenuating yeah. circumstances. Yeah. Yeah, that guy was trying to kill Nate. <laughs> so that's like, the extenuating circumstance. Sure as hell Sophie Devereaux would never headbutt someone. No. No, she wouldn't have to put someone. She did, though. I thought she just whacked him with the tray. She didn't headbutt someone. Didn't she headbutt him, too? I thought she just whacked him with the tray. Boy, did your mother so <laughs> stitch that? <laughs> Maybe she did just hit him with the tray. Yeah. No, Nate hit him with the tray. Because that's when he saw the reflection. Are we going to have to go back and watch Beantown Bailout again? Maybe. That was only the beginning of the season. Okay. Yeah. Anyways. But, yes, Tara uh, can yeah. throw in a fight. Like, yeah. she, can get, she can throw down. Which is impressive. It's good to know. And, and, uh, is and, Elliot's, like, and Elliot's like, okay. <laughs> and Tara's like, you like me a little better now, don't you? <laughs> He's like, hmm. I don't say I like people. <laughs> That's not how I do things. Uh, okay. Hardison figures out that Gloria is alone in the car, so she's alive, but maybe Russell is not. Uh, and Nate shows up back at the factory and um, leaves Parker with the car for a getaway in case they need it. acts so unfazed that, like, as Jacques Bouvier, that <laughs> it's just so normal to walk into a meeting and have someone with guns and cleavers. Here are the triad. Yeah. Uh, and Hardison is like looking further into Russell Pan and he finds out that he's also Nicholas Chow, even though I kept writing Nicholas Choi and couldn't remember why. Um, he's Nicholas Chow and he's a member of the triad. <laughs> right. He's known, he's known for burying his enemies alive. And so. I mean, I'll- you know, like the way, like you know, and like the way they place a hello, oh hello, men with guns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, know? because they've upped their game. They're not just holding cleavers now; they've got guns. I'm like, and I just feel like, did you see Argo? Have you ever? Did you see that movie Argo? Oh my gosh, I think, but I, I think I fell asleep during it. But I, I think, like, you remember, it, it was like a reenact of a 
um, you know, Armenian hostage crisis, obviously. Mm -hmm. And they were saying, like, you know, this undercover of them just being some Canadian film crew works because only Hollywood would be so self-absorbed that they would go <laughs> into, like, a conflict zone like that and say, like, we need to shoot a movie here. So kind of like, I feel like the same principle applies. Like, of course, someone in the fashion industry will be so, like, so unaware and so, like, like it would just unfit. It just would not really register to them that there's someone with like guns and, and like, yeah, yeah. Just, like, like, oh, just don't mess up my clothes, you know. Right. Like, you can figure like, this out. Like so, so I don't like. What's the right word? Not self-absorbed. It's just like so. Damn Narcissistic. It. Something along those lines. Yeah. 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 Self-involved. You know, it's like mm -hmm. so oblivious. It's like, of course, they're going to be so cool. Like, of course, like, it, it, it just, it just doesn't, it's not even on, it's not just not on their radar. Like, it's like, whatever. Yeah, it's really obtuse to, like, the actual danger that they are currently yeah, in. Yes. Yeah. Of course, we go to Iran during the hostage crisis to shoot a movie. <laughs> We're Americans. That's what we do. We're going to come here and we need to talk about clothes. So, okay. Men with guns are here. So, men with guns are here. Okay. Yeah, it is it's fine. fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's um, fine. Yeah, so so Nate is, you know, trying to stall and Hardison is like, all right, do not I'll be there in five minutes. I have the money. Um, but then Nate like flips the script again and he tells uh Russell slash laying the groundwork for what the writers have been wanting to do with Nate, like the whole season and just like, you know, lay paying it off, laying more groundwork, you know. Yeah. So he script he flips the script and he tells them that the money's all gone. That they already they like spent it the on the clothes. Unnecessarily. Yes. Taking literally taking on the triad. Like, why? Why? All you want was fifty thousand dollars. Like, why? Why? <laughs> so just um later say, you know, it you know. But yeah. do you really want Florence to be indebted to the triads? Yeah. Like, we have to take out people. It's like, oh. sure, sure you do. Sure. <laughs> um, and so instead he offers to get designs from another designer's fall lineup so that the triad can start counterfeiting these clothes early, which would be worth millions. And uh, Tara offers to stay as collateral. And she says, remember, we only need $50,000. Five O. I remember the first time I saw this episode, the five O did not register to me at all. Oh, it didn't? It did not register to me at all because you know I was not thinking Hawaii Five O cops. I was just thinking I, 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 I for some reason she's emphasizing just five zero, not two hundred five zero or something. Ah, she's like, you know. I'm going to keep the rest of the money. Yeah, <laughs> I know? think that it. I've watched it so many times now that I I think that it stood out to me. I want to say that it did because that would be very cunning of me, but. Maybe I don't remember. Yeah, but then and then and then Nate's looking at her like, okay, yeah, all right, I, I read you. All right, okay, but you know, yeah. Um. So the team is not psyched that Nate has decided to do this, and Elliot even points out that he's using this as an opportunity to 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 run a con on the triad. You know, on like, the fly. Yeah, on the fly, while putting Tara in danger, and <laughs> and he even says like, you wouldn't have left Sophie there. And he's like, yeah, maybe no, probably not. Um, and then we go back to Fashion Week because now we have to steal this designer's uh, designs. Uh, 
And this poor guy named Andre V, who has a hip hop couture line, and his clothes do not look hip hop couture to me. Uh, that also, like that was a lot of white models for a hip hop couture line. <laughs> and also, what about it said hip hop anyway? Nothing. The, the only thing that said hip hop was Hardison saying he has a hip hop couture line. <laughs> and him being this, like, hey, maybe I would have wanted to meet Andre B. Did anybody think of that? Yeah. Nobody appreciates the van. See, no one, no one appreciates the van or the man in the van. <laughs> so they're back, but um, they had a breach earlier. So the backstage security <laughs> has been picked up, and Parker has to go in as a model. And uh, no, this is not going to end though. Yeah, she's not psyched about this. Um, and then Parker and Elliot have this scene where he brags about knowing fashion because he slept with so many models. And she's like, "Yeah, yeah, I get it. You're a guy." Throwing out like you know, the A line is nice, but the you know the A line of the skirt is good, but the neckline is kind of weak. It's like. He was the boy was sounding like he knew what he was talking about. I know, but then he had to be like, Oh, it's because I sleep with supermodels. And you're just like, You can like fashion, Elliot, and still sleep with supermodels. It's okay. Won't think less of you. But Parker's just looking at it like, you know, I can't move in this, I can't run in this. This shiny fabric is gonna set off motion detectors. Don't and he says practical. Yeah. He says, It's a fashion show, not thieves are us. Best line she, ever. She puts on this cool, I really like the dress that she wears. Um, I like the bodice is okay, but I really like the skirt with like the silver. Shiny on it. Me, to be I like the shiny. shiny for me. Yeah. Um. Oh, just for me, I am so little. Like even, but it's just too much shine and body for me. You know what yeah. I mean? Like someone who's taller, like could pull it off. I just could not pull it off with my proportions. Yeah. I'm under five feet, Steve. I I can't do all that shine. So tiny. It's just. It just would not work for me. I'm almost six feet. I could shoot. I could do some shiny. I wouldn't do, but I would. I wouldn't be able to do it on the bodice area. It'd have to be on the skirt. So therefore, just, I really like that dress. I feel like a shiny, like corset bodice thing. Like, would that look nice on you? No. I mean, it would look eye-catching. There would be a lot of silver shiny stuff. So we'll keep it to the bottom. The way this so she she's able to put the flash drive in the designer's laptop but then she's captured by the designer and she goes through hair and makeup and and we're all supposed to be surprised that hard that parker's really beautiful they're like oh i'm like she was really gorgeous when she just had a ponytail on (laughs) y'all yeah so parker has her hair and makeup all done and she's got to walk the runway and she's not psyched about this soft ways which is really nice her hair was like in soft ways yeah no she looked great but like everyone who was doing it like stands back and they're like oh like it was this transformation like and all that it was like really soft too which again is like does not exactly say hip hop to me. No, hip hop would be just in your face, correct? Yeah, <laughs> and it's also not like a high fashion look, really either. Um, yeah, yeah, but you know. Eh. <laughs> and then I wrote in my notes uh, for hip hop couture. There sure are a lot of white girls. <laughs> and then while she's on the catwalk, she falls off. <laughs> she falls off the catwalk, and then poor Andre V is just banging his head on a pole. <laughs> Ruined. I know, poor guy. But well, then you find out like Parker fell on act, fell on purpose to distract so Ellie could get the designs. Right? Yeah, I think so. I think so. It worked I mean, out that like, way. But like, I think it's 
by the end, like, she was almost, like, working it, like, feeling it. She was, she was, like, getting some fierce walks. She was throwing some blue steel. Yeah. Like, she was throwing that other girl walked by her, and that other girl's outfit was awful. <laughs> it was really bad. Um, yeah, and then Elliot is, he's on a clothes rack, and he pops out, gets the zip drive, uh, and then gets back on the clothing rack, just in time to be wheeled back out. <laughs> and and then we get back to Tara and Nicholas Chow, formerly Russell Pan, and she straight up flips on the team. Like she drops her accent and she says, "Yeah, this guy's Nate Ford. He's a con man." I'm like, "Why are you?" Yeah, I would trust him. Right now, yeah, I don't trust him. And you know, I, I'll let me tell you what we can do to get you know get you your money. And what, so she just makes a deal with him, and you're supposed to believe, oh, she's she's turned her back and like she's she's throwing the team under the bus yeah, exactly like, not knowing so, all part of the 5-0 plan <laughs> yeah and she doesn't have comms on so the team doesn't know about this so nate brings the designs in he's still in character as jacques bouvier uh and you know hands over the the drive and he's like oh it's andre b that's really great and he sends them off and the factories will start be working on these tomorrow oh, and then Chow, it turns out that Chow called the police to turn Nate in. I, I mean, like, and at least he dropped that awful accent. Yes. Yeah, I was like, I love that accent. Uh, <laughs> dude, like, the jig is up. It's like, <laughs> He's like, oh, okay, fine. <laughs> whatever. You're still yeah. going, whatever. Exactly. And then Nate and Tara, yeah, Nate and Tara argue about this betrayal. Like, I knew you would turn on me. Like, you never gave, you know, any reason gave me any reason to trust you uh until the cops show up yeah Yeah. (laughs) and uh then the police check the zip uh, his like front breast pocket for the zip drive because we saw him put it back in there uh and it's got his hand fingerprints all over it but he'd done a quick (laughs) switch like like being all careful how I picked that up with like the, the claw so his fingerprints wouldn't be on it. And yeah. But he did a quick change of pockets. And um instead the zip drive that they look at has all this information on like Russell in a, Pan being walked in, Parker, I mean, and Nate Hardest room something, and I think it turned out to be an essential prop. It did. I, yeah. Yeah, because they get the they get the plans and Hardison does something on his computer. Yeah, yeah, it's great because it's one of those things that you don't really notice uh, until you watch it again, and you're like, "Oh, that was there the whole time." Oh, he didn't know what it was. Oh, got it. Yeah. (laughs) So the the zip drive they look at has all the information and the evidence on Chow, and. While they go to take Nate out, he's like, hey, check my inside pocket. And it's an, it's the badge saying that he's Interpol. And then he's he says he's been undercover at Fashion Week. And they they just let him go. You know, law, law enforcement extending courtesy, you know, extending courtesy to a fellow Leo, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this guy was, you know, he's no Detective Bonanno. God, I love Bonanno. <laughs> He's he's more on the level of our favorite FBI agents. <laughs> oh, bless their hearts! Bless their hearts! I love this. Nate makes sure to tell Hardison to destroy the the the, the files of the designs because, like, he really doesn't want them to get out. 
and um I like that and so the actual fashions that were sent off to china and the the where the factories were glorious for the pilgrim sheiks and the guys over in there they're like what, the guys what, what, are like, what is this oh but they're like okay i guess if this is the if this is it like i'm just following orders <laughs> yeah this is what the boss said so uh and then we we get to see that Gloria is still working in the fashion industry. So um, what she, happened there? Like it, 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 it never explained what exactly happened. So I thought that he kind of got like Nicholas slash Russell got rid of her, like sent her off. And maybe she's just, she's hiding out. Or maybe she just found out that, you know, her Nicholas got arrested or something and she's hiding out. And that's, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what it is. But so, yeah, she's working as, like, she's, like, pressing clothes at, like, a dry cleaners. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, they're like, how did you, you know, let Nate know about the the cop angle that we were going to do, that he should do? And she's like, oh, yeah, I finally learned to speak his language. Cryptic clues, slogans, and code. <laughs> Some random references, yeah. So great. And they're, like, then they have that, like, that classic, the walk with all five of them in a row. And... And you didn't get the gloat. Like, you didn't get the gloat, though, which was sad. I love the no. gloat. Yeah. And there wasn't really a big evil speech of evil, either. Yeah, that's true. So maybe that didn't warrant necessarily warrant a gloat, because there was no evil speech of evil. That's true. That's true. But we do get the um, that that satisfaction after the job is done, because we, we go back to the factory, and you know, Nate hands over the money so she can bring her family over. Gloria was taken down by her own sin, her love of the fashion and wanted yes. to be fashion. Yes. But she's still in the fashion, still in the fashion industry. Oh and her husband was taken down by his greed, like by, you know, wanting <laughs> to like these fashions. Um, so yeah, so back in the factory, we, you know, we find out that the woman from the advocacy group is now the new, um, court-appointed administrator of the factory and the workers have been able to set their own hours and wages uh, and and they get to eat lunch and they're so happy oh. brown paper bag lunches and, and little milk cartons like the school cafeteria did you notice? Just, yes it's it so yeah they're just like happy to sit and eat um, uh, they're, oh. like, I feel like they really bought into that like American white bread <laughs> school Ooh. lunch, but uh, which I don't know if that's exactly what you'd be making right after you immigrated from a different link, like different country. Ooh, my mom tried to, my mom sent me one, one job lunches with like sandwiches and stuff. Okay. I mean, it, you know, it wasn't necessarily peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But I don't know if that was like a, you know, you went to public school and, like kind of that like need to like fit in not not assimilate but like i had a garfield lunchbox garfield lunchbox that's awesome i had a superman one but i use it as a purse <laughs> <laughs> that's cool yeah. oh yeah i was a weird kid um yeah so then we have but again like tara got her cut mm-hmm. she did you handed it over and then they kind of, they come to a truce, you know, she says, 
or he says, I'll, I'll try to communicate better since Sophie sent you. And she says, yeah. And Sophie was right. Y'all are the best I've ever seen. And he's like, I know. And he just walks, saunters away. And she says, but no one in the world is as good as you think you are. Which is some ominous foreshadowing. (laughs) And then, of course, we have to have Nate and Sophie as the cap of our episode. And they're arguing over Skype. And, you know, she says, like, why... You, you can't do things like this. Like, would you have made the same play if it was me? Like, if I was there in that situation. You can't, you can't put the kids at risk like that. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I, mm, okay, maybe no, I would not have done it if it was you. Mm. But then he kind of goes off on her and he's, he's, he's ranting. He's yeah. Unraveling. And he's ranting. He's like, you left. You, you don't, this, this is, you don't get to say how I run my job. This is my work. And she's like, no, you don't get to talk to me this way. And she just hangs up. <laughs> and you're like, oh god, kids, get it together. Oh, kids are fighting. I don't like it. So stressful. It's not good when mommy and daddy are fighting. Nope. Nope. And that is the end of the episode. I don't have a real life heist. Do you have one? I do, and I'm so excited to talk about it. And it's, it's topical. Go, 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 go. Okay, so this is, and I've had this one in my back pocket for a while. Um, It came out in, uh, it's an article that came out in GQ in August. And it's called The Great Chinese Art Heist. And yes, so I, I was like a little late giving, like getting on chat with you because I was rereading this. And I'm like, oh, it's so good. So I'm not going to read the whole thing because I'll I'll link it in the show notes because I want to send people over here so it gets more clicks um but it's written by alex palmer uh for gq and it's amazing so i'm gonna read like the first paragraph or so okay kind of uh summarize it so it says the patterns of the heists were evident only later but their audacity was clear from the start the spree began in stockholm in 2010 with cars burning in the streets on a foggy summer evening the fires had been lit as a distraction a ploy to lure the attention of the police as the vehicles blazed, a band of thieves raced toward the Swedish royal residence and smashed their way into the Chinese pavilion on the grounds of Drottningholm Palace. There, they grabbed what they wanted from the permanent state collection of art and antiquities. Police told the press the thieves had fled by moped to a nearby lake, ditched their bikes into the water, and escaped by speedboat. The heist took less than six minutes. Holy crap! Yeah. A month later, wow. in, in Bergen, Norway... Intruders descended from a glass ceiling and plucked 56 objects from the Chinese collection at the Kodi or K- KODE Museum. That is some Mission Impossible, like... Oh, oh but wait. Next, with- next, robbers in England hit the Oriental Museum at Durham University, followed by a museum at Cambridge University. Then, in 2013, the KODE was, was visited once more. Crooks snatched 22 additional relics that had been missed during the first break-in. Had they known exactly what was happening, perhaps the security officials at the Chateau de Fontainebleau, uh, the sprawling former royal estate just outside Paris, could have predicted that they might be next. With more than 1,500 rooms, the palace is a maze of opulence. But when bandits arrived before dawn on March 1st, 2015, their target was unmistakable. The palace's Grand Chinese Museum. Created by the last Empress of France, the wife of Napoleon III, the gallery was stocked with works so rare that their value was considered incalculable. 
In recent years, however, the provenance of those treasures had become increasing, an increasingly sensitive subject. The bulk of the museum's collection had been pilfered from China by French soldiers in 1860 during the sack of Beijing's Old Summer Palace. Uh. I know. In the low light before daybreak, the robbers raced to the southwest wing and shattered a window. They climbed inside, stepping over broken glass, and swiftly went to work dismantling the Empress's trove. Within seven minutes, they were gone, along with 22 of the museum's most valuable... Uh, most valuable items, porcelain vases, vases, uh, mandala made of coral, gold and turquoise, a, a chimera in croissant enamel, and more. So, and they just like left, they emptied a fire extinguisher to get rid of their fingerprints. So they have no idea who these people were. Wow. Yeah. So like, this is not it. There have been like heists all throughout Europe and they started investigating and they said, you know, um, for a lot of the 20th century, like China's leaders didn't really care about what had happened to the country's lost um, art and antiquities because art was a symbol of bourgeois decadence. And but then like by the early 2000s, when China was growing rich and confident again and, and less communist, uh, people were starting to focus on it more. So, um, you know, the new billionaires and stuff are going out there purchasing things and they also have these... our history our proud heritage yeah and, and then it's just sitting in other people's museums so people are starting to like buy it up uh like personal collections but then also like large state-run uh conglomerates are doing it and then the uh the chinese government also put together a treasure hunting team in 2009 a year before the Stockholm heist. Uh, and they, uh, Beijing announced that it planned to dispatch a treasure hunting team to various institutions across the US and Europe. And people, museums didn't really know what they were, the purpose of these missions were. Were they coming to assess the collections, to conduct research, to reclaim objects right on the spot? And they didn't really know who the visitors were either. So, um, I'll link the article so you can read more about it, but it, it just kind of goes into like who's who's in charge of all these highs. Like, did the Chinese government are they sending people out to reclaim these prizes? And I'm like, that is so cool. <laughs> like, I want a freaking movie. I remember when uh, my family and I um, were in London for a week in 2005, and we did the London mm -hmm. Walks tour, and we did one for the British Museum. So obviously. We went to the Elgin Marbles, and our poor guy Brian was giving us the whole spiel about the history about it. He's like, "But yeah, we're not giving them back." <laughs> well, yeah, you go around and you see all of the stuff that was taken from Greece <coughs> and Egypt and all this stuff, and it's so cool to see history right there. But you're like, "This wasn't yours. You took all of this." Prince. Um, yeah. Yeah. Not cool. What they did was not kosher. Not cool. No. No. <laughs> A lot of what they did was not cool. And they did it for a very long time. Oh, but yeah, so I just, that story is so cool. And um, I have been I had been waiting and I was like, oh, wait, this fits perfectly with this episode. So yeah, <laughs> so that's our heist delight for today. It's an awesome article and awesome yeah. file. And you know, a lot of um, heists like this aren't reported. Just like we see in Leverage, like they're embarrassed. They don't want people to know. Um, and they also don't want to pay to get better security. <laughs> so if you don't, well, you don't tell people. Want, like, public to panic and like lose. Exactly. So, 
Yeah. So even though these things started happening almost a decade ago, it's they're just coming out and coming to light. So I just it's fascinating. Interesting. Uh, all right. Well, Lisa, tell people where they can find you. I'm on Twitter at LaForesta1. You will find me there most days. Yeah. You should send her gifts of cats in boxes. Stay. Yeah, that's the new thing. <laughs> send Lisa cats in boxes. Uh, and <laughs> don't ask why. It, you, you don't. They know, want to they know how awesome that is. They don't need to ask why. They understand. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Librarian Stee. And uh, you won't see us again, but you'll hear us again probably after Christmas. Maybe, uh, yeah, after the new year, we decided uh, we're going to be talking about the bottle job. And Lisa's going to come back. back. I, I called this from that episode from the beginning, remember? Like, I wanted yeah. to No, the very first episode you were on, you're like, can I do the bottle job? And I'm like, I don't even remember what episode that is. Sure, let's do it. <laughs> Whatever you want. Come talk to me about leverage. I'm happy. <laughs> but yes. And this is probably the most uh, in advance I've ever planned a podcast recording. Because <laughs> it's going to be a couple weeks. But yeah. Because Christmas is landing in a weird time and the New Year's lands in a weird time. So sorry, listeners. You'll have to wait an extra week or so for an episode. All right. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. Thank you for being on this. Thank you all. Thank you all.